Welcome to Daily Discussions. I'm your host, Isaac Harrison, a podcast on social entrepreneurship. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation on whose land we record today. So I've got my second guest in the studio, which means I'm absolutely excited because no one likes to come and visit me here and kill sites. So welcome, Rory. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, brother. No worries, brother. And... Um, I understand you actually don't live too far from here, so that's how it's worked out, hasn't it? Yeah, no, nice, easy trip down the freeway, so all good. Oh, awesome. Now, are you coming down from the hills or are you going No, c- coming from the, the burbs. You're so, coming from the burbs? Coming okay, from the burbs, so, so. We're not there yet on the no, hills. So. not there yet. Cool. Well, we'll talk about your business soon in a second. <laughs> yeah. and they'll be successful and you'll be coming down the hills yes. to uh, see us lowly people here in the studio. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent. Now, Roy, you're a gun eye man? Can I? Can I? Okay, so, cool. I heard you say gun eye the other day, and I was like, um, are you allowed to just say gun eye? Do you have to say well, gun eye, well, gun eye? Conge- conjection of that, because my mob's more sort of the, the sort of inner East Gippsland, so more oh, Kern okay. this side. So my grandma yep. was born in, born in Lang Lang. Yeah. Uh, my mother was born in Druin, so more yep. sort of, I think, sort of Kern sort of this side and gun eye sort of, sort of past. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you said that was the West. Yeah. So then yep. the, the people on the water. Yeah, would be a different, which yeah, is more. which is quite common. Yeah, uh, definitely. My nana is Biri Gubby, so sometimes they'll say Biri, um, which denotes I can't remember now if that was the salt water or the the fresh water. Mm. But the tribe actually come encompasses fresh water and salt water, yeah. so it's a massive land mass. Same with our mob, um, yeah, and they'll be the same. Probably, yeah. yeah, so there's a different language or very similar. Uh, very similar, um, but a lot of over the years, you know, there's very there's Kurnai College, but that's on you know sort of Gunai. Oh, so it's, it's yeah, a lot, yeah. lot of that sort of stuff. But look, I think you yeah. know that's a lot of that that stuff from history that sort of our yeah. mob was sort of separated and sort of float on effect from there so yeah it's one of those things we're still working out as a mob and you know what we're doing but uh but we're still it's united so it's it's sort of work with what you got i think a lot yeah. of like my uncles and aunties and elders did is work with what was they remembered from stories or remembered but it's funny now now that we know to ask the right questions for like our local council and the sunshine coast they're able to actually dig down in the archives and dig up um, title deeds, images from you know 1901 that show our ancestors because now we know what questions we have to ask. We know mm. what names we're looking for. We know um, where they lived. We know what um, what occupation they would have done, which was on the railroads at that time with the Kanakas. So, yeah, it gets me very excited, I think, as we're going more forward. And you see uh, Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu, which I always talk about on this podcast, yeah. but um, that's showing like a whole hidden history that um, white Australians and Indigenous Australians are starting to like unveil and going, hang on, maybe we have managed the land incorrectly. Maybe we shouldn't have cows and sheep and that sort of thing here. We should look at the kangaroos and emus that were already, mm. already here. So let's go into your story. So you grew up in the Gippsland, would you yeah. say you're a country country boy? Country boy, as, yeah. as much as I like to say I am. My cousins say I'm not as much yeah, compared okay. to them. But you moved um, to the big smoke. Yeah, no, yes. moved moved quite early. So we were living out in in Longwari, um, and sort of in between there and Dandenong. So sort of Dandenong yep. back, you know, thirty odd years ago was yeah, very well. sort of countryish uh, yep. with my grandma from there. Yeah, um, and we moved to a housing commission. So you know, I was I was ready one of two. Um, yep. So I come in the third. I had two older sisters. Yeah, well. um, and we. We moved, you know, in housing commission. Um, Dad was working uh, for the council, so we moved yep. um, this way. So we moved to Brunswick. Yeah. So we're there quite early. You know, very ethnic community. But yeah. Only, we were in a housing commission sort of flats. Yeah. Um, wow. Only Aussie in there, and the only Aboriginal family. I was, so. was going to say that. What's it like in a housing commission with so many cultures? Yeah. Of being the, you know, with a 
natural culture to this country, but then having all these other cultures. It, it was great. Like my best friend was Ken, but his his real name was Muhammad, but that was yeah. his sort of English name. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. And you know, he used to have the, the Turkish bread truck rock up every oh, weekend, so, so yeah. fresh breads. But it was great. It was it was not a different. It was a norm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I sort of got brought up, and I think that's sort of you know where I'm today with what I do is that the different cultures is just a norm. Yep. And I think within our own culture, you know, having the different mobs and, and their traditions, it's just a norm. Yeah. So it was it was great growing up in that sort of community, but you sort of, you know, back then it was it was very sort of tough living, you know. wasn't yeah. sort of how, flat housing conditions, two-story townhouses, but yep. still very sort of rough living in Brunswick back then. And then, yep. you know, my mum and, and dad had another kid so yep. there was four of us in a three bedroom house yeah, and then wow. they decided to have another one so there was five of us all yeah, up wow. so in, in that so we were you know constantly sort of living on top of each other yeah yeah it was it was very good memories though yeah yeah, yeah great memories yeah. yeah so yeah my nan i've said it heaps of times my nan had 11 kids so i got 50 something cousins but growing up with cousins on the floor on a mattress cousins in your bed cousins everywhere yeah um it was just very normal to to experience that but it's it's really good i think it really hones in on your social skills yeah and i've had had friends who were like the only child and stuff and if they came over they were like having a panic attack because there's like there's kids everywhere i know um, and you got to share the controller on the uh, super nintendo and yeah. that sort of thing so. or it's half broken because somebody's throwing that's it right my, my middle brother was well renowned for breaking controllers yeah, yeah he's, he's pretty quiet and pretty passive but if you lost in a game, got the game line fever. Just, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And those controls were so expensive back then. Oh, you know, back, yeah. Only you have to get Nintendo. Oh, I think I think back then a lot of the the square ones were quite rigid. Now these days they're so mechanical. Yeah, that's right. That, you know, they you, are rigid. Yeah, sneeze on them and they break. So. That's right. My um son has broken two of my Xbox controls. Yep. Uh, one he when he was playing with his little water station, he decided to play with the yep. Xbox control. Um, and the other one, I think he dropped it from. He's, he climbed up on something and dropped it. I don't know for fun. Yeah. Um, good times. So um, yeah. So grew up in Brunswick. So it was a different time back then. That's very interesting because I, when I grew up in in Queensland, Harvey Bay, I didn't first see a turban um, until about grade nine, grade ten. Mm. We had a Sri Lankan uh, boy who came through uh, Sri Lankan Sikh or Indian Sikh. Um, I forget now, but we, everyone was sort of at school and was like, oh, what's going on? Like, you know, people would say he's a yeah. terrorist and stuff, like just the most uneducated, racist things you could think of, you know? Yeah. Even if they were joking. like, And it just makes me think, yeah, growing up Indigenous, but then you come to a mainly Western society, like culture, like saying deadly, gammon, mucking around at school, um, they were sort of left at the door and was sort of looked down upon, like yeah. what's going on here? Like they're always mucking around, they're always... And- because I wasn't brought up around that day to day, you get that when um, I'd go back to the country. But yeah, you know, that sort of stuff for early years and sort of I didn't really acknowledge that I was Aboriginal that much because mm. I wasn't brought up around say yeah where you're in community and that sort yeah. of mob there because you're around otherness. So yeah, sort of yeah. that Aussie sort of you know slang sort of turned in. And but I think it's sort of when I move. So I moved back grades early grade two yeah uh, we got a, a bigger house in richmond so we yep. moved to richmond there um and then i went from sort of a lot of you know, ethnic uh, you know, greek and italian to yep. vietnamese uh, east timorese that sort of stuff. yeah so that culture shift from there but that sort of 
I think the the, the mobs there, they especially the East Timorese, a lot that I got brought up around. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were very much like mob back from the country, always yeah, having yeah. a joke and a laugh each other. But you yeah. know, if someone said something to you, they'd back you up. So yeah, yeah. it was sort of it was a big culture swift where it was very much. I think you know when I was in Brunswick, each to your own. Yeah, and then yeah. here they sort of brought you in as as a bit of one from there. When you go, look, I, I am Aboriginal, that sort of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. In primary school, early days, it was very much that, oh, we've got one Aboriginal kid, that sort of stuff. And then they'd go, where? And then it's like, it's Rory. And it's like, yeah. that's that. It's that one. Yeah, it's that, that one there. But it was that whole, and I think it goes on to a lot of stuff down the track, is that, you know, back then it still wasn't black enough to be Aboriginal, but then it yeah, was, yeah. okay, you're not white enough to be white yeah, within your right, own community. Yeah. So it was that sort of... Yeah, toing and froing there early days, especially in primary school. Like I, I had a lot of learning difficulties. Yeah, um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia in grade three, yeah, wow. and um, that's a huge target on your back if you're a kid and you've got yeah. something. You know, learning, especially learning, um, huge target on your back for bullying. I um, got asked to stay back grade three, but I thought. Yeah. It was stay back, but it was go up with your friends. So I yeah. made all these new friends, new school, that yeah. sort of stuff. Second year of grade three, it's all the kids who were in grade two last year. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, what? So yeah. all of my mates had gone up. Yeah. So that was huge sort of struggle for the next yeah, sort of three of course, years yeah. of that. You know, I was second second year of grade three, I was the last kid to get my pen license. Yeah, wow. You know, the little piece of paper to tell you you can write with a pen. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, great. So that was another target. But um. Yeah. But those early years, and I think you know, struggling with your identity yep. and that one there, but also early years, kids that would be friends with you outside of school, you know, mates yep. live across the road, you go hang out with yeah, them after school. Right, yeah. But in school, they're totally opposite. They'll yep. bully you, you know, that sort of stuff. They tease yep. you. But it was that balance of, I think, younger years, and a lot of kids go through it these days, like, we didn't have social media then. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I don't know how that next layer of, of that online bullying and that sort yeah. of stuff then, especially with mobs sort of, you know, oh, he's not black enough, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I see it online, like, I've got a, a Facebook that's just Aboriginal only, yeah. and I just see that lateral violence and that sort of stuff yeah. there. But when yeah. they're around, ah, oh, no, just joking, but they yeah. don't realise the impacts there, especially yeah. younger kids these days. It, it's, it's crazy, so I don't know how... I would have gone back then with social media these days to, to where it is now. Yeah, definitely. You know, for me, I was, I was the same. My mother's, um, you know, full Indigenous, if you saw, you'd say, oh, that lady's Indigenous. But me being her son and she married a white Australian, people go, oh, he's, you know, Sri Lankan or Fijian Indian or anything but mm. Indigenous because I don't have the, you know, the flatter nose. Fiji, yeah. my cheeks aren't as round, they're more pointy. I do have dark hair, but it's sort of um, a bit curly, a bit wavy, which comes from the Kanaka bloodline, the curls. And so people will just be like, oh, well, you're not Aboriginal because you don't look like, you know, Ernie Dingo. You don't look like, you know, Gurumul, you're mm. a like, And so that's like really offensive to Indigenous people. Yeah. But the, the new wave of, and I've seen my cousins on social media and some of the stuff they've shared, and some of them have missed out on a lot of the cultural um, enrichment that we had growing up because we're all very much along the same ages. My parents were the same ages. And, um, and they're trying to like find culture through a social media or through the platforms out there sharing different things that come across either like pretty borderline racist mm. towards you know our countrymen you know um the rest of australia 
And so, yeah, for me, it's like the new generation is going to have its own challenges and the bullying stuff as well yeah. because, like we were saying at the level crossings thing, like, you know, you got to tick that box, identify as Indigenous Australian, but it's like, well, why am I ticking that box? You know, yeah. what is the purpose? Like, yeah. am I going to have like a, a separate role that they're like, oh, you're Indigenous? Oh, cool, come here in this back room. We've got a job for you. Yeah. You know, or like what's going to happen? Or people will go, oh, watch out for him because if you say anything you know, about Indigenous people, it's a lawsuit. I don't know the reasoning behind that. So... Yeah, maybe it is our own fault, but we are still learning as a country. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it is hard to quantify, um, you, you know, your culture in, in a measure because it's just... Well, I was saying something the other day that I think, you know, you go over to Bali, you go over to, you know, Singapore, yeah. you go, oh, you know, you wear the sarong, you wear do all this, yeah. you you adhere to the culture, the traditional culture there. Yeah. You don't come here and go, oh, okay, I can't put trash on land or I've got to look after land. If I disturb it, I've got to leave it the way it is. Yeah, like, yeah. There's none of that... In that forefront of the mind here, like everywhere yep. you travel around the world, you adhere to that to that culture. Yeah. But here, it's it's nothing. Like yeah. as I think Janae was talking about yesterday. Yeah, you get off the cruise ship at you the get docks. Off, yeah, yeah, you get off the docks. You don't have you know fellows there. You know, yeah. You have any elders of the possum skins? Yeah. And the smoking ceremony. And I know it can yeah. be tokenistic. I mean, I think we talked yeah. at one of the conferences we spoke about last week about tourism. How it can yeah. be quite tokenistic. But having that first part of culture, people want to people see. Do. Aboriginal yeah. people, they yeah. want to hear about culture. They want to hear about that. Yeah. But you know, you've got to do it in the right way. But it's it's just still non-existent in some parts. That's right. And like I said, a lot of Indigenous people. Well, would you rather be at the back in a quarry driving a truck, or would you rather welcome people with your culture and get paid for it? Mm. You know. So it's about taking that mindset of this is a tokenistic act to actually. Now this is actually a genuine act. And I think people who are genuine are, are very um, comfortable and satisfied and knowing who they are as an Indigenous Australian. Um, so there's no fear of like, oh, this is cheesy or it's cringe. or yeah. Because it's coming from a good place. You know, I've yeah. seen some welcomes by some uncles and he hasn't done anything around language or anything around, um, you know, he's like burning some eucalyptus leaves. Um, one in, uh, uh, Uncle Chicker actually in Redfern and he just shared a story of growing a red fern and, and welcomed people to the country and understand where the culture has come from since then. And you just like... We're just like educated. You felt welcome. Mm. You felt comfortable. You felt like if someone came and asked you something, you'd be able to explain it because you, you've, you've been listening. And yeah. I think that's what it's going to start evolving into where we're um, not just part of a token come in and, and say that, oh, you guys are welcome, but being yeah. like we're engaged in every level of government. We're engaged in every level of business. We're engaged in um, our communities like the Larrakia do up in Darwin where yeah. they've got their own patrol trucks that go around and help um, people, the long grasses, instead of the, just the police doing it all the time because they're saying, um, I hope to Larrakia elders say, hey, this is actually our country and if you mob come in from other parts of the territory or WA and, and disrespect that, mm. that's disrespecting us and our elders. So um, you're upsetting us and our country and they're coming from that real personal place yeah. instead of saying, hey, you fellas, get out of the park. Like, stop drinking in the park. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work. So, But sharing that so that there's a connection, they go, you know what, we are, we are disrespecting. But that takes yeah. it back to that self-determination that you know, our mobs can do it ourselves. That's like, right. We've got yeah. capacity. We're, we're in all levels of business now. We've got mm. people that can do it. Why can't we take it back at our own? Yes, we might need some training, but then giving it back to community where you know, you're more yeah. likely to listen to someone from your mob other than yeah, you know, that. That's and right, like yeah. when I used to work at Crown, we sort of said, you know, security was really forefront point mm. of having Aboriginal people there because we didn't have that much problem with gambling with Aboriginal people coming in. It was yeah. more the local pubs and clubs because they're local. Yeah. You know, 
the Tankerville was was quite one down from the, the health service here. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a honey pot for black followers. They're spending up their pay, yeah. that sort of stuff. Because then they go down to self health service, hang yeah. out with the mob. Those are ones. But when they come into Crown, it was you know to have a good time. But sometimes some took it too far. But yeah, yeah. we had a couple of followers that were security, so we yeah. used to get them and go up. And it wasn't that tokenistic, but they would yeah. listen to those followers more yeah, than they yeah. would a, sort of a white security guard or somewhere else because they they thought, oh, who are you? But if yeah. they went up there, had that conversation, said. Look, you've probably had too much, or yeah. settle down yeah. for a little while. They would actually go, "Yep, sorry, bros," you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, because yeah. it was that sense of, you know, this is my job. You're coming into my workplace. Yeah, yeah, you're making us look bad here. Making us look bad. <laughs> but it also, yeah, you know, I know up in, in Darwin, I remember going up there that they would yeah. actually have sit down and have conversations with them. It wasn't yeah. that you you've got to leave. It's like, yeah, yeah. what are you doing here? Can we help? Yeah. You know that sort of stuff. You know, this is probably not the best place. They'd yeah. have those conversations with them. Yeah. Um, and I could see that that worked, other yeah. than sort of that authority figure. And I know I was talking to another fellow the other day about um, up in Broome. Yeah. He said I said there's a lot of black fellow cops up there, and he said yeah, but a lot of those fellows get targeted from community. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of stuff, and yeah. he's like, you know, they're just trying to do a job, but yeah. you know, some mob take it the other way, and, and it's that yeah, sort of stuff. Right. So. Yeah. It's fine that balancing community from there because of that yeah. whole authority figure. I think it's, yeah. uh, go, goes back again. Yeah, that's right. a lot of stuff. It so. is the bullerman mm. in the uniform. Um, and it's like, well, well, there's a way that we can have, uh, you know, we had a matriarch and patriarch society. So you sort of need both for that. The elders coming in who people respect, mm. obviously grog alcohol and you know, mass movement of our people is, you know, our elders are dying and our age expectancies and the late 40s mm. as, a, as a male so um well let's get on wow we're cruising through this podcast so <laughs> let's get on to your what you do for work yep um so i understand you know i know you work at level crossings removal authority which is removing um 75 75, 75 tasks now yep 75 uh level crossings all over victoria yep. which is a election promise um and it's going quite well you've got different companies for, which form alliances mm-hmm. and which do the work but not only that what really impresses me is Level Crossings has actually won a lot of awards in the social enterprise, social procurement space. Do you want to share? Yeah, we've that? won a we've won a number of awards. I think we're I think eight from eight or, or nine from nine wow. now um, over the past couple of years, and it's really led by um, a lot of people that um, you know are, are passionate about the space. It was. Yep. Led by director Brad Giddens, who is someone who's uh, always had a passion for for supporting marginalised cohorts because he he just knows it's socially wrong. So yeah, yeah. you know we've won awards in in 2018. I think I'm just counting on my phone. We won eight from eight, like yeah. wow. um, across rail industry, social procurement, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's because. We've got people in there who care and yeah. people in there who, who are expertise and, and don't take three steps forward and then go, oh, we've got to you know take yeah, two oops. steps back, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really good. You know, my boss, Rajiv, um, he's been great in the spaces. He's, he's worked for non-profit, so he mm. understands, okay, how can it benefit the government side as well as the non-profit side? Yeah. Um, and these sort of people that I work around have a lens where I've come from a background where the lens of sometimes is very HR. We watch a video, that's it. Yeah. Whereas now I come from a team where they watch a video on something and go, okay, yeah. stop there. There's not, not enough people of colour in that video. There's not enough women. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, there's not enough people with language diversity. That's yeah. their first lens. And yeah. I haven't had that in my space before, which has just opened up and sort of taken that weight off yeah. my chest going, oh, like... There's people out there who are non-Indigenous, but they yeah. open up that lens and go, okay, this yeah. is what we need to look for first before we start moving and forward. So, so important to have the champions 
um, like Brad and Rajiv mm. and yourself because it creates a culture of people have another ace up their sleeve. Like when you have a conversation around, you know, procurement or buying goods, procurement for those who don't know what that is, mm. but it's government purchasing, you know, goods and services from the private sector or the marketplace. That's the way they use procurement. I don't know why. Anyway, but what it does for these teams is they actually have a genuine reason to go out of their way to find a marginalized um, personal people group, organization, disabilities, veterans, indigenous people, um, and get them on site. And, and in a way, take a little bit of a, a risk. Mm. And, and the culture is there to be like, hey, we're stepping out here and taking, giving people a shot. And I think that's what comes back to what Australia was built on, that everyone deserves a fair go. You look at the snow, snowy hydro when they built that. Huge. The people coming over yeah. were like from World War Two. So if they heard a, a dynamite go off or something that sounded like a gunshot, their, their PSD starts yeah. going off the charts. And um, then you had the British who would, you know, persecute the Italians and then the Germans who were coming over, but they were trying to hide that they were German because they just came from World War Two. Um, and I think Australia's built on that. And I think we're really, really discovering with what Victoria is doing under Daniel Andrews and the infrastructure um, about giving everyone a fair go. Yeah, we um, Brad announced yesterday, and we sort of known for a while, but it sort of reached out to my director that I think a couple of years ago we were yep. at five, six, seven million dollars social procurement. We've yep. just ticked over fifty-eight million dollars in social wow. procurement spend yep. uh, in the past couple of years, and we've got a long way to go with our project yeah, for yep. what our our target is. Yeah, um, it's going to be the one of the biggest social procurement um, expenditure ever, yep. ever seen in Victoria and Australia yep. um, once once we've done by 2025, yeah. um, if that doesn't get extended out, because yep. I think there's over 100 level crossings across Melbourne, so it could, but we're, we're tasked to do 75 yep. at the moment. But the team and, and what we do in that space and what I've been sort of tasked to do across the area is to look at, you know, how can we take it to that next level? We've got, you know, businesses like yourself yep. um, who are, you know, Slowly getting there, but but uh, not getting tasks. We talk, we talk, spoke at a, a reconciliation event yesterday that you know it's not about giving them huge contracts because the capacity for Aboriginal That's business right, isn't yeah. there. But a lot of our alliances now are going. How can we get? packages and breaking it down so we can get Aboriginal business instead of just three months work, how can we get them a year yeah, and a half right. work? How yeah. can we get them longevity? Because that builds capacity for business yep. and that builds that self-determination, that builds yep. them that they'll hire Aboriginal people and it's this ongoing ripple effect and I, I'd love to talk about the ripple effect is that you, know, you can start this, this drop and it's like someone getting a job you know yep. i've got a background in recruitment you know you yep. getting a job and then your nieces and nephews going oh i want to be like uncle isaac yeah, yeah, yeah. and then their friends going oh, i want to be like you know jonathan and then it's this ripple effect is it yeah, definitely same with hiring aboriginal business you never sometimes might see you might see the procurement outcome but you not, might not see that they're getting mob in to come help them yeah, package right. stuff and then you know them getting money in the bank and their health getting better it's this ripple effect you'll never see as the employer yeah but it's going to happen in community, and that that sort of social dollar value is is worth trillions of oh, dollars. Yeah. And that's you know I think we're probably going to be conversations with KPMG to look how we spend our money mm. through other indigenous businesses or projects as a business. Um, but like with myself, Janae, with Merv, um, what goes on our social media, my cousins, I always say they're, you know, they're proud of me or, you know, my mum or my cousins um, are like, I'm going to move down to Melbourne like Isaac. And I'm like, well, it's not that easy, but yeah. <laughs> but at least it's paved something to be like, hey, and a lot of my cousins are like, look, I didn't fulfill my, my sporting ambitions, so I'm just going to work at Cold Rock and just live in my town. You know, it's like, yeah. no, there's so much more opportunity if you're an Aboriginal person in Australia, you're being called to manage the land. You know, that's why we were here thousands for thousands of years. It's our 
calling to look after country. Um, so there's always going to be a calling for you to stand up and take your place and, and you know. But that goes back to, I think, what you spoke about is sometimes hard to leave country. That's you know, right. You, yeah. you, you've done it. Janae has done it. And mm. Yeah, I've done it. But we'll eventually end up back there. But oh, we've yeah. got it. We've got to gather all this information and yep. all these skills and knowledges to be able to go back there and better our own community. And yep. we are doing that that flow and effect because you're representing your community, mm. saying, "You know, I'm a Kurnai man." And go, oh. so yep. you're always connecting back to there. Yeah, but, that's right. You know, I think a lot of mob and sometimes mobbing community pull you back in. You know, just yep. come work for me. Come work for mum yeah. and dad at the co-op and that yeah. sort of stuff. And you know, especially a lot of regionals. I know Victoria, yeah. working a lot of recruitment in Melbourne. You yeah. know, the the Bunches of, of fellas are regional Victoria, and it is hard, you know, accommodation and those sort of stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But for yeah. when they do come out and they do get a, a great job, they go, oh, yep. I'm glad I did this. But, you know, they go up to Shep every couple of weekends or they go back yeah, to Warrnambool. Right, yeah. They go back, they've got money, they can take people out. Yeah, but yeah. it's that whole sort of that first initial step of letting go. It is. Yeah. And that's that whole of, you know, you, that separation sort of yep. stuff because we are, you know, a big, big country that yep. sometimes you've got to move. But... The flow-on effect, and I've seen it from people that have been successful, is has been phenomenal. Yeah, and I think, and I keep talking to the, the Kinaway Chamber of Commerce. Mm. What I'm saying, we need a a Melbourne Red Fern for us to all be together, and so people can come from Mildura, yeah. you know, and know that they can stay. They've got a month accommodation, help try to find some work, or start their business up and running. Um, and because this is the best place for a H, H, you know, HQ, because you can go down to pretty much any government department and the vicinity in the city there and 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 do business with them um we're running out of time pretty quickly so i'll go into you've actually just started a business yes yeah never um, never thought i would and i never thought when you said it to me the first time i thought you said forestry and i said yeah what are you doing here working in public yeah. so if you own a forestry <laughs> but i was wrong it's actually florist yes florist so um come about a, a we sort of had the idea about a year and a, a half ago um yeah. when my ex-boss, um, yep. who's on the Victorian Aboriginal Economic Board, yep. sort of said, look, there's no florist and you, your wife's just become a florist. So she'd yep. been a florist for about three years, took it up, did the whole university thing, wasn't for her. Really? Yeah. Went and did the TAFE course and a yep. month in doing a floristry course, teacher said, um, sorry, but have you done this before? Like, yeah, because yeah. you're way ahead of everyone else. She's yeah. like, no. But she was an artist, so yeah, colour matching okay. and that uh, sort of stuff. Yeah. And she'd love a bit of passion and flowers yeah. yeah, and gardening her from her mother and grandma. So yeah, wow. she'd done that for a while, slowly picking up her business. She'd done a number of weddings, working in a couple of different florists. Yep. Um, and I sort of suggested, look, you know, why don't you know, we partner up and be an Aboriginal registered florist? Yeah. Um, and she sort of said... From a white person's perspective, she didn't. It didn't seem comfortable with her. Yeah. Um, from the perspective of, oh, I'm taking away from community, or I'm, I'm taking away from an opportunity from someone yeah. else. And I said, look, no, there's no one else in the game, yeah. in that part. But there's no one that are looking to do what we want yeah. to do. Is and is that you know that flow and effect once where, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But she sort of didn't seem comfortable with it. But once we sort of went through the process and started getting our, our whole business established, getting a yeah. logo, a name, um, I had to get my proof of Aboriginality. So yeah. I've, I'm sort That's of essentially a, a real black fellow now yeah, in quotations. Yeah. Um, thank you. But it was that <laughs> whole process of, of getting that done. And yeah. once we're established now, um, Jira Harvey from uh, Kalen. Yeah, Jira. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Nagami meetup. She yeah. was the first one to sort of said, you're getting it done. I'm going to procure you to do our next... 10 meetups, yep. here's some money. And we yep. sort of said, oh, okay, we've got to do it. So we've yep. been doing those meetups and the flow-on effect from, from her 
getting us exposed there yeah. has been huge. We've had uh, a number of opportunities to do um, stuff for RMIT yeah. um, and a couple other uh, organisations. But the flow-on effect we did, our biggest ones to date has been Urine Boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did the, the black market there, which was wow. great. We sold out. We didn't know. We sort of said, how much are we willing to lose in yeah. flowers? And we, we sold out and so we, we covered the cost. And we did, oh. I think, five or six different events yeah, yeah. Uh, for Hamer Hall yeah, uh, wow. where they did um, uh, blackout there where they yeah, yeah. used public spaces and we helped create some spaces with yeah, flowers. Yeah. But the flow and effect for us to grow as a business, we're slowly getting there. We don't want yeah, to take yeah. too good, bigger contracts. But I think for us, what we'd love to do down the track once we're a sustainable business is, is you know, give back to community. And yeah. my wife and you know, I'm, I've got a background in youth work yeah. and my wife wanted to really do art therapy or do some sort of social work, but she's too much of a sponge. Yeah, um, okay, you yeah. know, she was, she would take things home and, and mull on them, but yeah, yeah. we would really love to do things like flower crown workshops or yeah, you know, bouquet yeah. making workshops for Aboriginal women in crisis. Cause yeah, yeah. flowers are so calming. And yeah. I think we've, my wife, go back to her again. We've got a yeah. really good, she's got a really good tagline. Flowers are the best part of everything. They're best yeah, parts yeah. of hellos. They're the best parts of goodbyes. They're the yeah. best parts of surprises. So yeah. using that connection, you know, when you work with flowers, it's calming. You know, yeah. The connection to land yep. for, for Aboriginal people is huge. Yeah. Um, so doing those sort of workshops for women in crisis, should, we would love to do. Awesome. Um, if we can do a pay it forward option once we get yeah, sustainable yeah. where, you know, fellas for communities, when they have funerals, we can donate a reef for free. Yeah, um, yeah. You actually have some real instead of some fake plastic and Would flowers. that be a lot of um, native yeah. Was tied into the- so in Australia, we've sort of done a lot of research. There aren't, there are a lot of native flowers, but yep. we call them cut flowers, the so ones yeah, you put in bouquets. Yeah. There's not yep. that many that you. There are sourceable, yeah. uh, especially in Victoria. From what I know, I think there's one flower grower yep. um, in Horsham Way, and then I heard there was a. Um, um, Yesterday, that there was a um, nursery, yep. Aboriginal one, but the cut flowers. Mornington, actually. Yeah, cut flowers aren't as much that are around, but you've got yep. your protease, you've got your gum and that sort of stuff. So we are doing a lot of native bouquets, um, yep. and but they last, which are great. A lot of people yeah, yeah. have got our flowers I three love, months ago. I love the native plants. My wife always puts them in a home if it's yeah. a thing. It's just like, you they, just walk they, in. They've like, got this smell. Yeah, like, you know, I wasn't, when I was single, I never had flowers in my house. Yep. A single guy was sharing a house with guys. Like, yeah. No one had flowers there. I went, um, went married and she would bring flowers or cuts from the garden and just put them inside. And you're just like, yeah, I know it doesn't. it's going to be here for a, a week and a half or whatever, but it does something to the atmosphere. But then you start researching like the whole the aromas, the smells, mm. and what the effects it does on a chemical level, which is incredible. Um, so we're pretty much out of time. So let's finish up with where are you five to ten years? Where am I five to ten years? Are you a full-time florist? Are you all over Australia? Well, we would love to create an industry of Aboriginal florists. If we can yep. get to a sustainable point where we take on trainees and apprentices, yep. you know, that's my background. Love that. Or we get another person who's competing against us. Great. We've started an industry. Yeah. Love to get that part. But I think my passion exactly. lies with, with helping back the community. I'd love... Oh, I had a passion for sport. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had a passion for um, identification of, of mob and supporting them. I think yeah. there's a huge gap in the market. And I know the, the Indigenous AFL Players Association, headed up mm. by Desi and Derek Kickett and that mob there, are looking at that post-career for followers. But yeah. also, I think a perfect example is when Gary Abbott was playing up in Gold Coast, every time yeah. he played down in Melbourne, he got to stay an extra couple of days to see his family. Yeah, yeah. When... Fellows are playing down in Melbourne. They're from Arnhem Land. They're from WA, yep. that sort of stuff. When they go to WA, they're in and out. 
Yeah. Why don't they get to stay a couple of days with family? You know, yeah. the connection to, to come back community is huge. We lost, you know, great fellas like Liam Jarrah because yeah. he's, you know, he was 23, 24 and he was already an elder and he's, he's mob in, in Alice. Yeah. You know, these sort of things, I don't think they realise the kinship system. So yeah. I know we've got AFL, we've got usually ex-players at clubs there mm. and that's great. But I think having someone from that outsider perspective as well is, is huge. So yeah. I don't know if I want to be a, a player manager or a yeah. player, a talent manager, but yeah. I think that's where my passion lies in there. But I think down the track, I'm I'm open. I'm, yeah, the, I'm yeah. the type of person that says. Well, you no need, like I'm, you say, you need to speak both languages. I find talking to some of the AFL boys over at dinner or whenever, catch up with them, mm-hmm. some of them. Um, it's about well, life after football, and oh, I'll just go work for the club. But then some of them are saying, oh, I've heard about Indigenous business. I've heard about this space. I got to meet a uh, Michael Johnson, mm. Supply Nation Connect. He's sort of walking around going, well, I want to invest in something, but I don't know what. I said, well, you've got to really follow your passion, yeah. brother. You, know, you don't just go, oh, that looks like a good idea, so I'll do it. Because like with your, your wife, like, you know, um, they just thought she's been doing it for years because yeah. there was passion. There was, yeah. there's got to be a connection there for some, not just because it's an opportunity. And yeah, so I like what you're saying. It's, it makes perfect sense. So, well, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much. That's I think right. that's our longest podcast. I thought I didn't expect this would happen. I Time flies like, when you're having fun. That's right. Yeah, I was like, Roy's a pretty quiet guy, but now I know. <laughs> That's been false. No. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. We'll Thank definitely you for uh, look forward to get you on in the future and catch up with how the floristry business is going and public service if you're still there. So still there. That's right, Rajiv. Watch out. No. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Thanks. Thanks Perfect. for coming on. Thanks, mate.